Hey, what's up? How about this listeners? It's Mike Staub here for How About This and we have a great episode for you today. You ever like go into your closet and mill around a little bit and then find that shirt or suit or jacket or hat or pair of sweet jeans that you didn't know was sitting in the bottom of your closet or you've forgotten that it had existed and they were like your favorite pair of jeans or your favorite jacket and you put them on and they fit like a glove and you're like, why did I not remember that I had this laying around in my closet? Well, that's kind of what today's episode is. This is an episode that we recorded very, very early on in the recording of How About This. It's about a topic that Jordan and I absolutely love. It's a video game that kind of shaped us as gamers and fans of the medium. And we have a friend of ours stop in as an esteemed guest, someone who also loves this title as much as we do. Our friend Brendan Bailey joins us today. And Brendan Bailey is an incredibly talented music producer, voice actor, graphic artist, Guy's got it all. And we have him in today to talk about Final Fantasy Tactics. We know it's a bit of a niche property and that it's a very niche video game inside of a very popular video game franchise, but it's something that deserves this degree of respect and it deserves this degree of analysis. And really, at the end of the day, it's a big love fest for Final Fantasy Tactics. So I really hope you all enjoy this. But before that, we're going to give you a little sneak peek of what to expect this summer because Jordan and I have some amazing plans coming up very soon. Why don't you take a listen? And now, Introducing the How About This Summer of Slam! That's right, How About This listeners. Welcome to the Summer of Slam. It's a programming block that Jordan and I have come up with for the summer. From Memorial Day until Labor Day, we are going to tackle topics and properties that exist within the competitive nature of things. We're going to talk about head-to-head video games. We're going to talk about competitive video games. We're going to talk about fighting games, combat games. We're going to talk about movies that base themselves around martial arts and fighting. Wrestling is going to come up in this one. We're going to talk about all sorts of stuff that really fit within the programming block that we're calling the Summer of Slam. And we are super excited to share this with you this summer. Please be sure to check it out starting in late May. We think it's going to be absolutely fun for all of you out there to really get in on this really kind of fun and goofy topic in the best way possible. And as a little bit of a preview, we actually briefly mentioned the first episode that we're going to have for the Summer of Slam in this upcoming episode about Final Fantasy Tactics. And the first show that's going to kick it off is going to be a Capcom pro wrestling game starring esteemed Capcom characters. But we also have plenty of ideas in here where we're going to talk about building the best ever SummerSlam card with a wonderful guest. We have stuff like Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter and Super Mario Kart. So there's going to be a lot of fun stuff this summer and we hope you enjoy it. And we hope that you tune in for the How About This Summer of Slam. Now, it's time for the show. What's up, Internet? It's another episode of How About This. I'm Mike Staub, co-host of How About This, a show where we talk about, well, our favorite properties out there and what we would do if we got our nerdy fingers all over them, how we would handle them if we were giving the opportunity to try something out, whether that means translating something that we love into a different medium altogether or telling more 
of that story. So you've been with us for a little bit now, so you kind of know what's the deal, what the deal is with the How About This podcast. But we have a really nice topic for you today, something that's very near and dear to my heart, as well as my amazing co-host's part. He is the Thunder God himself, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Man, you, you stole my thing. I was going to call you Thunder God Mike. That was going to be like my uh, my intro to you for this one. Folks, yeah, welcome back. Thanks for joining us again. Hopefully you know what this podcast is about at this point if you're this many episodes in. Or if you started with this one, what a fucking weird one to start with. Go back and get something more accessible than Final Fantasy Tactics. Actually, uh, actually, I think the best one to start with is Capcom Slam Masters. Oh my god, the most niche thing we've done so far. But yeah, this is another niche episode. I don't know how many true blue fans of Final Fantasy Tactics there are out there. It is, honestly, when I when I sit down with real gamers and they're talking about like their favorite JRPGs and their favorite strategy games or whatever, this always does come up. So perhaps this is not as niche as I initially believed. Perhaps this is actually mainstream and I am a loser. I don't know. I, I don't think it's super mainstream. I think it's something that fans of this genre of video game and fans of this series cling to i think it's slowly but surely moving up the list as like the best final fantasy game of all time super slowly because this is what this is more than 20 years old now yeah final fantasy tactics came out in like 97 i think 98 in the states so we're talking about 23 22 23 years here good lord game to kind of assume this position but this game is older than many of our listeners according to our demographics absolutely yeah according to the stats that i've looked at online on our downloads it's way older than most of Whoa. Whoa. Before we get any further, my friend, we have to introduce our very, very special guest that we have with us today. We love when we have guests that come to our virtual studio to sit and talk to us about stuff that, well, we think matters a lot and some of you might not agree. We have a dear old friend of ours all the way from college. We've been friends with this guy for a long time. He himself is a technological robot wizard and I believe that his favorite class may or may not be worker construct eight mr brendan bailey <laughs> uh pleasure to be here guys um, however you do need to refer to me by my official final fantasy tactics name uh, brendan gaff gaff gary on bail <laughs> there's oh. no money in that <laughs> <laughs> little money <laughs> <laughs> oh, that joke doesn't get old. Jordan, I think that was the first joke that you and I ever like bonded over was, was the, the little money joke. Yeah. For listeners that have no idea what we mean, when you when you first launch the Final Fantasy Tactics game after you watch the you know sort of video intro and you get to the uh, the the derived papers or whatever you want to call them, it's part of the narration that the words "little money" are printed out with incredible painstaking slowness, and everything else is at normal speed. So, Final Fantasy Tactics is an interesting situation it's it's in an interesting spot in the history of the series and in the history of video games it suffers from a lot of issues that games around the same time suffered from and this whole little money thing that you bring up is actually part of the game's charm so games of the late 90s especially for the playstation especially his long rpgs of the late 90s they were brought over to the u.s and translated almost incredibly poorly so names have changed characters names have changed dialogue has changed this game has actually changed quite a bit since its original launch and its remake or remaster or whatever you want to call it on the PSP has become like the definitive edition of the game. But I think before we get too far into it, I think we just need to talk about what Final Fantasy Tactics is and what it means to us. So Final Fantasy Tactics is a turn-based, grid-based tactical RPG where you run a squad of five, maybe six fighters. I know, I think it's always a minimum of five, but you can, I think you could run up to six or maybe even seven in some battles against another army of five or six or seven and it's 
very interesting because it's a complete diversion from what the rest of the series was about at that point in time and in general like the series really hasn't gone back to final fantasy tactics square has done other tactics games and they did tactics games before final fantasy tactics but final fantasy tactics was a an offshoot that has become one of the most beloved games in the series probably because of its wonderful cast of characters it's great gameplay it's amazing customization wonderful music. I can go on and on and on about it. Final Fantasy Tactics is very special to me, even though I played it very late. It's a good time to ask what, what Final Fantasy Tactics means to you guys. Jordan, if you want to start it off. For me, this was unlike any game I had ever played before. I had never played like Vandal Hearts or Tactics Ogre or anything like that. So the whole grid-based, turn-based tactical RPG was totally new to me. I never really played Tactics Ogre or Vandal Hearts or anything like that. I my, my first experience with the turn-based tactical RPG was Final Fantasy Tactics, which I guess actually came fairly late in that line of games. And now I actually, I, I seek those kinds of things out. I look for games that have that element to them just to get that Final Fantasy Tactics hit. Uh, like it's, it's, the, it's the heroine that I've been chasing my whole life is Final Fantasy Tactics. For me, I, I just don't think that I had ever been more involved with a story in a video game before. And there were other great story games that I was playing at the time. This was, of course, right in the aftermath of Final Fantasy VII that I had just gotten into and, and that kind of stuff. This might have been like the game I bought immediately after Final Fantasy VII, actually. And um, I loved the story it told. I loved the, kind of the Shakespearean nature of the twists and the turns and the plot. And then coupled with that really complicated, really tedious combat system that allowed you to customize every aspect of every character in your squad, I just... Uh, I found it to be incredible, and the replayability has been unreal. I have played this game so many times in its 22-year life that I, I can't even count all the times that I started and stopped the game, even to just like play against a friend on the PSP version with the versus combat system. It's a great game. It's, it really is super, super amazing. It's special, and I think part of the fact that it's special is when it first came out, it wasn't easy to get your hands on. I remember looking for Final Fantasy Tactics for years, like oh, word? Years. Really? I could not get it when it came out. No, yeah, I could was, not get it. It was hard to find, and it was more expensive than other games when you yeah, did. Yeah, huh. Final, Final Fantasy Tactics was selling for like $40 used at GameStop, and it was not easy to get your hands on it. Most of us, like myself, got, only got our hands on it when they released it as a greatest hits version in like 2003. And that's when it became very Whoa. accessible for 20 bucks. Yeah, getting a, a black label version of Final Fantasy Tactics is super rare because they, it was a low print game because it did. they probably didn't expect it to do all that well because because it wasn't Final Fantasy 7, 8, or 9. It didn't have Jeez. a number. So Props to my mom for getting that for me. I had that yeah. early. I had that yeah. real early. Exactly. And, you know, if you if you look at it, while I love its visuals and I love the sprites and I love how the game looks... Oh, yeah. The, play, art, the art is incredible. After playing... Final Fantasy 7 and that era was like all about 3D graphics you know after playing Final Fantasy 7 you're taking a step back and you're like oh this looks like Super Nintendo it looks like cartoons even though the stuff you couldn't replicate uh, on an SNES yeah I actually I like the way it looks better than Final Fantasy 7 I hate the blocky sprites in FF7 I, I mean those those cutscenes are amazing but that's not the whole game yeah, yeah I think well, they've aged I think they've aged a lot better than FF7 did oh yeah well, Final Fantasy Tactics is, it does kind of have that SNES kind of sprite look to it. SNES games and Genesis games, as Brendan and I have talked about many, 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 many times, have aged so much better than their 32 and 64-bit brethren. So it's, it's a much, it's, a, it's an art style that's conducive to lasting a lot more. And you got to say a lot for the artists, you know, you're talking about the art there, but the main artist on the game was Akihiko, one of the main artists was Akihiko Yoshida, who's done some amazing, amazing stuff, worked on all the 
Ogre Battle games, worked on Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy XII, and obviously Final Fantasy Tactics World Alliance. Like, his art has been around forever. Stuff is really, really great. It's a very unique, noseless style, but it's such the, a the hint, The hint of a nose was added later. Brendan, what, what makes it special for you? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of was kind of a latecomer to Final Fantasy, but not a latecomer to Final Fantasy Tactics. I sort of, I fell into the whole Final Fantasy franchise with FF7, like I think a lot of people did. And I was, Jordan, like you put it, I was kind of coming off the high of Final Fantasy 7 and kind of wanted more and like at the time in the late 90s the only other Final Fantasy game on the PlayStation was Tactics and it started out as a blockbuster rental for me which like talk about a game talk about a game that's not suited to be a blockbuster rental yeah Fantasy Tactics like you need a lot more than three days or whatever to you know to play that game but I I remember vividly we rented the game I watched the the the, the copy of the discs that I got I guess it was scratched up and it didn't work right but it, it worked up until the point where the words uh, Orban Monastery came on the screen. <laughs> the game would freeze every time. But I was able to watch the intro movie and the whole intro, I could choose my name and I could, li- you know, listen to the history and like, you know, do you want to join <laughs> You want to join me on a quest for the truth and go through that whole thing and see the you know see, see the chocobos run through the the planes and everything. Right. And so I got so hyped to play this game, and it just kept crashing at that spot. So like I told terrible. Them, like dad we got to go back to blockbuster and see if they have another copy of this game because i have to play it like i'm so hyped to play this game and so we got it and so we went to blockbuster and they actually had a second copy and they gave oh my it God. and and i got home and got to play it and like finally when it so every time i play final fantasy tactics now i have i get triggered i get like an anxiety <laughs> trigger when i see the words orban monastery the first like 10 attempts of trying to play this game it crashed right there. And so whenever I hear that music finally click in and it goes into that first cutscene, I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's wow. That is, that is harrowing, Brendan. Thank and, you. But then from there, it, it became this like, I very quickly was like, this is nothing like Final Fantasy VII. This is a very different game. But I had gotten so jazzed to play it and so kind of hooked on the idea of just playing this unique game that I stuck with it. What a sharp learning curve it was for me because like I was not, I was already not very used to playing typical RPGs. Like I really had only played Final Fantasy VII and Mario RPG before that. So, you know, to jump into a strategy RPG where there's a lot more to, to take into account, you really can't get very far in tactics unless you're paying attention to your stats and your abilities and, you know, adding new, you know, sure. abilities to your, you know, changing jobs and doing all this stuff like guild. So I, I really, it took me a while to figure out the full extent of the battle system, you know, even just simple things like changing jobs. Like I didn't know you could do that. My whole team was squires for a long time. And I'm like, <laughs> why can't I get all these cool abilities that the enemies have? And then I finally like, went into the tutorial mode and figured it out. I was like, oh, this this game is like so much better now. Oh, absolutely. I think it was an eye-opening game for me just from a, you know, RPG strategy gameplay to be like, you know, this is the extent that, you know, of thought that could be put into a battle system and the complexities that can be put into a battle system. And obviously all the other things that made me fall in love with it, the, the soundtrack, one of my all-time favorite soundtracks in a video game ever. Beautiful. And Jordan, I think you, I think early in our friendship, we we discussed something and you, you put it the way that 
I've described it to this day, and that's there's never been a game that ha- has had so many characters that you end up caring about. Yes. Like a game that has like over a hundred characters, and yet you manage to care about every single one of them. Even characters that are only in the game for like five minutes, you like. Yep. There's something about them, the way they look or the way they talk, or, or you know their their involvement in the plot that makes them interesting. Brendan, thank you for bringing it around to that, because actually what I was going to bring up is that I think this was the Final Fantasy that was sort of made for Dungeons & Dragons players or led a lot of people to Dungeons & Dragons because this was like the first game I ever played where every character had its own character sheet with its own stats that were changed by you by playing these characters, equipping them with different things, different abilities that were totally customizable by you, which is really amazing. And I know the jobs and stuff like that are kind of a staple of Final Fantasy, but that was the first time I'd ever really interacted with them on that level. And in terms of characters that matter, my goodness, whether it's like Rafa and Malak, who really are only important for a very short period of time in the game, or a character like Maliadol, who only comes along late in the game, or if it's like Mastadio, who's an early NPC that you pick up, you authentically care about all these characters, and you would never dream of letting them die in combat which is something that can actually happen to any permadeath. character except for Ramza, which is unreal. Well, yeah, and permadeath is some, an integral part of strategy RPGs. Like the Fire Emblem players who are the most hardcore of the strategy RPG players out there, a lot of them will only play with permadeath on. Like if you're not playing with permadeath, you're not playing the game. So that stuff is legit and how and part of strategy RPGs and part of the, the culture, you have to be smart and you have to not let your guys die. How many battles when I was a kid playing final well i played final fantasy tactics when i was a little older so i was a te- i was a le- i was a mid teenager when i played final fantasy tactics even though i, f- I probably played it the first time like right after final fantasy 7 came out I- I- a friend of mine had it so i played it a little bit there but once again i wasn't able to get my hands on it but still as a kid playing final fantasy tactics i remember you know M- mustadio would fall in battle and he would turn into a treasure chest or a, or a gem and no i'd good. have to restart it's like all right well that's happening or inside real i would, Rio- I would in- restart if i lost anybody even yeah. if it was Generic fighter. I, yeah. I, well, I, I just I put a whole game's worth of time into training that character and leveling them up. Like, yep, you know, I can't let them die. Can't let that happen. And it was such a crazy cast of characters because by the end of the game, when you look at your formation and the whatever twenty some odd characters that you can have in your party, it's like, okay, cool. I've got these like customized soldiers that I made myself with these customized job classes. I also have these wonderful story characters that can do these devastating things to the game and break it a little bit. And for some reason, I've got some chocobos and some like pig things and <laughs> and like a dragon and like all these guys that kind of just sign up i didn't ask them to be part of my party but they showed up after sure and mike tell me when you experienced game of thrones you did not think of this game because of the size of the cast not just in your party the number of characters you meet and you interact with i mean they literally had to give you a chronicle to keep track of everybody there were hundreds of npcs I think Game of Thrones and Final Fantasy Tactics are really something that are similar in that aspect where it's all these characters that you have to remember. I just have an easier time remembering the Final Fantasy Tactics characters than than the Game of Thrones characters because I turned on season four of Game of Thrones and totally forgot who everyone was. But no, you're right. You're 100% right. And I think that's a great parallel to draw for people who are like interested in seeing what Final Fantasy Tactics is about and maybe never played it and has heard about it for years and years and years. It's like, if you like Game of Thrones, Final Fantasy Tactics has a lot of that in it. It's got the betrayal. It's got the blood. It's got the murder. It's got the weird family stuff. It's it's essentially also based off the War of the Roses. So it's got this whole kind of medieval Renaissance political intrigue, warring families and and different um, and different orders of different militaristic groups that are all vying for the same chunk 
of this fake Europe that Squaresoft and their designers created in Ivalice, which is a locale that has continued throughout the rest of the Final Fantasy series. I mean, Final Fantasy has used Ivalice at least three times or four times in their in their history of making Final Fantasy games. Ivalice comes back in Final Fantasy XII. Ivalice is a little different in Final Fantasy Tactics, Advance and Advance 2, and also it's in Vagrant Story. So Ivalice is a locale that we continuously go back to and it for all started here. And I think that Final Fantasy Tactics does it the best. And Jordan, something you said before really stuck out to me. It's like you're always looking for that fix. So your Final Fantasy Tactics was kind of like the, the dose that got you hooked. And you're always looking for that next fix. The problem oh, yeah. is, just like, <laughs> from what I'm told, just like hardcore drugs, you never get back. Final I Fantasy have Tactics. no knowledge of this, but that <laughs> sounds accurate to me. Final Fantasy Tactics is like that, right? In my opinion, I don't think any tactical RPG gets there. I think that final i think that final fantasy tactics is a step above and a step beyond the rest because of how serious yet how fun it is how heavy it is on statistics and customization but it's never overbearing with it like you have to understand that stuff but some tactical rpgs get too into the weeds with it where it's like too confusing fire emblem comes close but the combat system in fire emblem is so incredibly different that final fantasy tactics still stands a little bit further in my opinion than than the fire emblem games and it's also still final fantasy and that's why someone like me who loves the whole lore and the whole aesthetic of Final Fantasy keeps coming back for whether it's the chocobos or the job classes that are the same now at this point in time for the Final Fantasy series Final Fantasy Tactics was actually the second game that we got in America that had the job class system and the first game that we got before that was actually the original Final Fantasy the original Final Fantasy you know you have four characters you choose four jobs and then eventually those jobs form prestige classes and then we got Tactics that had all those jobs and it it was like overload because there's so many of them and even though those jobs come from Final Fantasy V Americans wouldn't play Final Fantasy V for at least another year or two once it got translated to English and brought over on the PlayStation so this was really like our first experience with the real Final Fantasy jobs system and to me as anyone knows what type of rpgs i like i'm a sucker for a good job system that's why i love games like octopath traveler and final fantasy 5 and bravely default i keep coming back because it allows you to make these ridiculous combinations of characters and that's what i like in a video game i love that degree of customization while still fitting within the within the confines of what the game is trying to do and you can break it you can break the game to a degree i love it you're yeah so Ultimately, in the end, Final Fantasy Tactics is just a great experience for pretty much all of us here on this episode. It's one of the games that is near and dear to our hearts. But Brendan, what stands out for you, man? What stands out for you when it comes to Final Fantasy Tactics? What makes it special? Well, it's, I mean, there's so many, pretty much I, I, the cop-out answer is kind of everything. I mean, there's really not one aspect boo, of this thing that I, that I cop-out answer. Fun. It's it, no, it is a cop-out answer, but like I could go on about how I love the style of the the sprites in the game, like the yeah. way that those sprites can somehow convey emotion was kind of magical. You know, even though they're they're very simple <laughs> graphics, like, yeah, and they scream hilariously. Yeah, yeah like there's. Oh. There's like, oh. like talk about good sound design where like the, the one female scream and the one male scream ma- manages to kind of match every character. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Also, when you hit a critical hit in that game, like you felt that in the controller. And yes. that was like it, it was a satisfying it was great. It was a satisfying level of of, you know, beyond just the, the the music, which is the soundtrack is incredible. But the the sound design itself had like some very satisfaction, like some high satisfaction value, like when you you know the sword hits and you, you get like a critical hit or or uh, or the the magic slams your opponent and the you know the, there was there's very good like auditory feedback. Sure. Uh, in the game that, yeah. that kind of overlooked. In, in, um, in particular, those sword attacks, the magical sword attacks from Agrias and, and TGC in particular, like when those really hit, like they, you you yeah. felt those. Those are slamming. They're great. Yeah. What's the name of the attack that's like, um, it's like half of the moon kind of comes out of the, the ground and, and it's like a, it's kind of like a spike and it's kind of in the shape of a moon. I forget, I'm going to have to look it up. But that, <laughs> I'm looking up all the attacks. That, right. I feel that, like it's like shell burst stab or something. That sounds stab. right. That, that sounds that's right. what it is. That's what it is. That attack. I, I would use that attack, even though it wasn't the most powerful attack, but because it had one of the most satisfying sound effect <laughs> animations with it, you just felt like, Oh yeah, I got him. <laughs> and like, despite, <laughs> despite the translation being kind of garbage, um, especially on the PS1 version, I think we still were able to kind of grasp at what was going on. It was one of the first games I remember playing that you really didn't know who the bad guys were until the very end. It's like, well, this faction hates this faction and this faction hates this faction, but really the villain is this faction within this faction trying to do this thing. I'm not sure if it was this one, by the way, if it was Split Punch, but I just want to say that Lightning Stab was my favorite. Even, after I, got, even after I got Holy Explosion, Lightning Stab was still my favorite attack. Lightning, lightning Stab lightning is broke. really good. Lightning Stab was really good. Um, but no, Mike, the story, the, the story is... When the first time you play it, the story seems very complicated, right? But if you go into the menu and kind of read the bios of all the characters that are important to the plot but aren't actually in the game, like the king and like all these all these other characters that you don't right the queen, her children, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's lots of characters that are that are very kind of integral to the plot but don't actually appear in the game or they're yeah. not in battles. They're referenced a lot. And if you read all those bios and you, and you kind of study the lore of the game and then you play it, the story makes a lot of sense. And it's still a very intricate story, but it, it's much easier to follow. And it's probably one of the best. I mean, it's probably it's the, it's one of the best stories I've encountered in any RPG. I agree. I think the issue that we run into with the story is not that it's complex. It's that it's translated poorly. So there are some things that, are weird. And the same thing goes with Final Fantasy VII. This was like the era of PlayStation games or translation where it wasn't great. You know, not everything's like a Super Mario RPG where not only do they translate the game essentially perfectly, but they were able to carry over the humor and translate it and make it work with a, an American audience, which is why when Final Fantasy Tactics was eventually remade and re-released in the far superior War of the Lions version of the PSP, many players were finally able to completely understand what was going on. The names were a little different, but I think those were the original names probably translated uh, poorly originally from Japanese to English. And there's just so much text on the field and with text box limits and all that and Japanese characters, you know, being able to say more with fewer characters. I think you actually, there's some stuff that gets lost in translation, but ultimately yeah, the story isn't that difficult to understand and it's great to play through. It's actually a shame. And while I love war of the lions, it's a shame that the best version of that game is tied to either the PSP or mm, somewhat weak mobile ports um, for whether a tablet or a phone. And it's a shame that final fantasy tactics has kind of been locked away and I hope that at some point it would come back. 
I think it's wonderful. And I think that that kind of simple, it's simple, right? For a tactics game, it's fairly simple because tactics games can kind of get overbearing and they can kind of be a little ridiculous. And I think Final Fantasy Tactics sits in this spot between games like Fire Emblem and something much, much less serious or much less intense like a Mario plus Rabbids. It's in this perfect spot where it's like, okay, it's simple enough, enough to grasp everything there's a lot you can do, but it's never really overwhelming. I think maybe when you first sit down, if it's the first tactical game you've ever played, it's kind of like, how does this work? But it's, it's explained really well. And people have tried to copy it so many times. Yeah. And it's just not there. Like, nothing scratches that itch. Disgaea doesn't do it. Felseal doesn't do it. Banner Saga doesn't do it. Nothing kind of gives you what Final Fantasy Tactics was. And I think that's why it was so special to people like us, because we played it after Final Fantasy VII. It was continuing this kind of Final Fantasy renaissance that was going on in the late 90s. And it really hasn't been around much since. The, the, the advanced games aren't nearly as good. They're not nearly as good. Yeah, I, I think for me, I was captivated by sort of the poetic spirit of the game. It was a video game that for me, uh, it, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm being really serious, not even FF7. For me, this was the game that kind of elevated the form for me in a way that I had not considered was possible before. Is FF7 a more important game, a more historically significant game? Yeah, of course. Uh, I, I think undoubtedly people would be like, yeah, FF7 really changed the game. But for me, Final Fantasy Tactics changed the game for me personally. This was the first time that I, I looked at a plot this way. And the, the framing of this plot is actually super interesting. This is the secret story of this world's history. You're, you start the game with this narration from Ar Arzalam Durai, and then you don't encounter his ancestor, Orin or Olin, depending on which version of the game you're playing, until much later, a later chapter in the game itself and you're you're putting together the the story as you're as you're playing it was it was really like sort of meta theatrical and i i use the word theatrical very enthusiastically here this game is a lot of theater yeah no it absolutely is and that's why i think like i said before it's so special and that's why few games have touched it it's it's poetic it's theatrical it's like shakespeare plus anime plus game of thrones it's got this kind of like perfect concoction of everything great about that period and it's not quite stuck in medieval fantasy but it's also not leaning too hard into steampunk it's that perfect final fantasy blend of how they like fi mm. a fantasy of how they like fantasy to work there's mm. some technology there's magic there's knights and warriors and swords and stuff and what's crazy is that it sets you in a period that they've continued to expand. Like, Ivalice is a place that we have ventured to again in other games. And as right. a series, Final Fantasy doesn't do that. So with Ivalice, you have the pre-Final Fantasy Tactics era with Final Fantasy XII. And you have the Final Fantasy Tactics stuff. And then you have the Final Fantasy Tactics Advanced stuff that's in this weird spot. And then you have like Vagrant Story. And you have all these things that are kind of happening in the same place. So when you play Final Fantasy Tactics... There's this ancient history, you know, the constructs, the last fight at the graveyard of the airships, right? So this is, these are things that like, there's history here. There used to be airships. Like in some, if you look at the information on some of the tiles in some of the places, like there's one forest where if you inspect one of the tiles, it was like, yeah, this place used to be inhabited with tons and tons of Mughals and they had died out. And when you go and play Final Fantasy XII, there's all these different species and races there, like lizard, lizard folk and moogles and um, like, like these giant rabbit people. 
and they're all not there anymore. Right. And it's kind of like gone. It's like this whole thing. This this we're playing an Ivelisse that's a very different Ivelisse that existed fifteen hundred right. years earlier or whatever. There's also these really fascinating side elements in the game that are totally optional for the player to engage with. There's the quests that you go on, which are almost always from for some artifact that comes from some other Final Fantasy game, which yeah. is really cool. Uh, almost like built-in Easter eggs, and you get experience points for that. There is also uh, and I love this, the entirety of the deep dungeon, which you do not have to do, except uh, unless you want to access some of the most powerful weapons in the game. Chaos Blade. Yeah, exactly. Or also totally optional, going and picking up some of those other really great characters like uh, Beowulf and Reese, who you don't need to get. And listen, how popular was FF7? Cloud Strife appears in this game, even though he is fucking balls in this game. He's terrible. He's a waste of time and a waste of effort. Cloud is, and Aerith is in it too, or Aerith is in it as well. They give her a little, uh, a little nod at some point, selling flowers that. for a gill. That worker One eight. gill. And worker eight. <laughs> yeah. Worker eight is awesome. I love that character. And I love that they have these guest characters that you can pick up. The only complaint is that they don't talk nearly as much by the time you get to the end of the game. Totally. That's the one complaint I have about Final Fantasy VII, that they kind of like, yeah. after a while, they kind of like take a back seat because yep. it becomes rounds of story. And they miss a big one, too, because almost everyone picks up Malia Dole as a character because she's really worthwhile to have in your party. And, of course, spoilers for Final Fantasy Tactics. When you get to those final battles, her father, Vormav, or Falmarv, when you when you fight against him, if she's in your party, she says nothing. Yeah. Additionally, Agrias and Mustadio, who are, like, your best friends in the game, don't say anything after a certain chapter because I think the game assumes that you rotated them out. But I'm a fucking Mustadio loyalist. Balthier is so cool, didn't use him. I gave the job to Mustadio. I trusted Mustadio. I don't care that Balthier is literally four times better than Mustadio. They, they, when they put Balthier in from, from Final Fantasy XII, first of all, his intro, intro video is amazing. But when, so they put, when they put Balthier in, they just flat out made him better than Mustadio. Like, it's almost like people had complained that Mustadio wasn't good enough for like 10 years. So they were like, all right, we're going to put Balthier in for Final Fantasy XII. He, he exists in Ivalice at some point. He would travel through time. So that works. And, and we keep bringing up this War of the Lions uh, remake. It's, it's the better version of the game. If you really want to experience it, if you're a Final Fantasy Tactics fan and haven't played it yet, I highly suggest at least watching the wonderfully hand-drawn looking FMV or cutscenes that they designed for this game. They're per- and they, yeah, they're perfect. They're those, beautiful. Those and FMVs, they, I mean, they are perfect. They're, they're perfect. Exactly how you wanted them to look and sound. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like they captured everything. I'm always afraid when, when companies go back and, re, and remake stuff or you know, remaster stuff or what have you. And um, you never quite know if they're going to get the, the right essence. You know, I felt that way about a lot of the a, a lot of the Final Fantasy VII stuff that came out. You know, Advent Children and Dirge of Cerberus and all these other things. Like they just all like there were some good things about them, there's some bad things about them that they just didn't quite get. Uh, they didn't get the aesthetic or the essence right. But with those cutscenes that they did for War of the Lions, like perfect, like perfect. Oh yeah. It's, it's like perfect. they got the same team back, yeah. And that, and you know what? I think there was a reason why they would they wanted to make it so good because the PSP was like the best place to play RPGs like that. Just like the Switch is the best place to play RPGs like that right now. They only re-released, they re-released Final Fantasy Tactics and they also re-released Tactics Ogre Let Us Cling Together, which is kind of like the precursor to Final Fantasy Tactics from the Such Super Nintendo. Name. I know. Well, you know, that's Japanese translation for you. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I'll just go along with it. That's like Bravely Default is like another yeah. name that I'm like, what is that? Nobody knows, but it means something. It certainly does. I wanted to just do a little roundtable experiment. Since we all agree that one of the greatest features of Final Fantasy Tactics is a huge NPC cast, I just kind of wanted to go around the table and just have us name a few of our favorite NPCs. They could be ones that join the party. My only condition is that you cannot pick Ramza because, uh, I mean, obviously he's he's the character. Anyone but Ramza. Who are some of your favorites? No limit to the number. Who are just people you liked, you identified with? I've had mine already prepared, but whoever wants to go can go. Gafgarion. <laughs> <laughs> There's no money in that. Gafgarion, like, you know, he... He's not a very deep character, but he's just like, he's a presence from, from the beginning of the game. Like, <laughs> he is. Like that whole second chapter is kind of just, it's like his, it's only, in a way, he's just, he is the main villain of that chapter. Like there's no, the, the main villain of the game really hasn't presented itself yet in chapter two. Gafgarion's the villain. Yeah, <laughs> right. kind of steals that chapter. Yeah, just the, yeah. the idea of this old, this kind of like old salty mercenary being pulled in various directions. <laughs> and, and he's also just, he's just, he's just an arrogant asshole. Yes, um, he's great. He's just, he's just a great character. Gafgarion is kind of like the Boba Fett of Final Fantasy Tactics where like his armor is so cool <laughs> that like, oh yeah, kind of, it's just like his design and armor is so cool that like when the character stops being like, like you said, he's not the deepest of characters, but like when his like characteristics or character work start, stop being as deep as they were, it's like, well, he still looks really cool and he, he cool. is such and a good villain. There's also the aspect of like, he, he, he fights alongside you for the few, first few battles and he's awesome, right? He's using the night sword, he's healing himself. It's like, oh, there's no way that this character is going to die in this battle. So I'm going to win. And then when he betrays you, you're like, Oh god damn it I have to fight him now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's the best though. That's one of the yeah. best things about that game. It's like Great. yes, you can learn you can learn and go all right, well I'm just going to unequip everything and get carry on so we I can all easily strip kill that it. guy naked before the falls every time. And but but you know what though when Albus and Gafgarion, like you fight with them and then you fight against them. It's so cool because so few video games do that. Yep. So few video games make you invest time in a character and then force you to fight them. Like the closest you get is Final Fantasy VII when Aerith gets killed after spending, you know, wow, 12 hours, 12 hours putting sinking time into leveling that character up and getting her ultimate weapon and her limit breaks and stuff like that. And she just gets killed. That happens in some other games too. With, with Final Fantasy Tactics, they literally turn you against your old party members. Like you fight Delita, you fight Albus. Albus or Algus, I forget which Algus, version. Yeah, Algus, Algus, right? Algus and Adolphus, yeah. And, and then Gafgarion, you fight these guys. It's great. It's great because it, it, it just shows you in that game. It's like not always just about good and evil. Sometimes it's just about two different sides of the, of the, of the fight. Mike, your favorite NPCs? My favorite NPCs are go definitely going to be probably what you'd expect from this game. Well, but um, I, I don't know what I would expect. I would expect Gifgarian from you as well, actually. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite NPCs in the game probably are originally, I, would, I mean, I always, I always love using Agrias and TG Sid. Like those guys are, are awesome. Like I think TG Sid is so yeah. cool and, and Agrias is so cool. But after that, I think it's like, I always used to fill up my party with a lot of just one or two or three like regular soldiers that I would level up and turn into ninjas and calculators and stuff. But out of the NPCs that you get, I always love to use Worker 8 or Construct 8. I love the big robot that almost has no place in the party, but for <laughs> some reasons there and shoots lasers out of his chest in a fantasy game. I always found that really funny. 
I also, you know, more from War of the Lions, I was, I've, I'm a diehard Balthier fan. I think Balthier is one of the best Final Fantasy characters they've ever made. When you can get him in your party in Final Fantasy 12, uh, when you can get him in your party in Final Fantasy Tactics, War of the Lions, that like, to me was like, well, that's the one thing I'm going for. I'm going to do everything I can in my power to get Balthier as soon as possible. And, it, and it's worth it because he's so good. And then after that, you know, I, I, I just love job classes. I'm a sucker for job classes. I love the ninja. I love the monk. I love the samurai. I, I, I love the dark knight when you can get that in War of the Lions with, you know, they look like almost like a black mage in armor, you know. The summoner is always a really favorite class of mine. Other than that, I like when you get to use Reese as a dragon. I think that's really cool. I always passed on Reese. Always passed on Reese. I like Reese as a dragon. I like Beowulf. I think Beowulf... Yeah, Beowulf, Beowulf's cool. Beowulf, Great against bosses. Beowulf does a lot of stuff that... Beowulf, like Mustadio, does a lot of things he does when you want to gr- grind your people. So he does the can't act, can't move stuff as well. He's just better at it, but he has to be closer. So it was always cool to do that type of thing too with those characters. Yeah, no, I have I like I like a lot of the secret NPCs. They're always fun to work with. What about you? Uh, well, for me, uh, it wasn't too many of the people you got in your party, though. Admittedly, I like I said before, I'm an Agrius and Mustadio loyalist. I just thought of them as like my best friends in the game, so I literally never let them leave the party, even when there were better people. Mustadio. Um, so for me, the characters I ended up connecting with most were early characters. I'm talking about the Foles family. So Wygraf and Miliuda, um, who were heartbreakers. They were our great characters. So the Corpse Brigade or the, or the the Death Corps, as they're known in the earlier version of the game, that's like the people's army who feel like this war that's going on between Larg and Goltana. And the earlier war, the 50-year war, has been kind of pointless because it has totally ravaged the lower classes. And I ended up sort of agreeing with them. So I was devastated when Algus kills Meluda, or we, or we kind of all kill Meluda, Meluda, I guess. And then you, of course, fight Wygref a number of times. The last, of course, Piece being of garbage. probably the game's hardest fight, Ryovane's Castle, uh, a name that lives in infamy because to fight him in his Zodiac form alone is hard it's hard even when you have the whole party with you eventually but it's um that's a tough fight that Uh, that fight is gross that fight is gross you walk into that castle alone to fight why griff one-on-one with ramza and he just runs away from you and he rocks you and then you finally beat him one-on-one and you're like cool i beat this guy and then all of a sudden it's like guess what guys he's a monster here come all these demons that are going to yeah. also murder you yeah and that you was a lot of a, restart a lot of restarting on that if, one if you don't have a stacked party you are screwed that's the hardest battle in the game i have a story the first time i i played that battle you know as we mentioned earlier you know i i would never let i would never let one of my party members turn into a crystal like that no, was of course reset, reset the battle and try acceptable so velius just uh, just was just uh, destroying my guys and I was not I was not prepared for the battle this was the first time I ever played through the game I was just not prepared for this fight I got down I I, I had one turn left there was one turn left before one of my soldiers was going to turn into a crystal and I had one archer still alive <laughs> one archer oh my god and he had like less than 10 HP. He was in single digit <laughs> HP. Like I was going either I was going to lose all my guys or one of my soldiers was going to turn into a crystal. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to have to try again. I'll just fire a bow at him. And I fired a bow at him and I killed Velius. Like oh my God. last <laughs> attack with this archer that had no HP and all my other soldiers were dead. Amazing. I beat him. And I was like, uh, that's, <laughs> that's so, so good. cool. 
That's so cool. That was amazing. I love that. I also really loved Ramza's brothers. I liked Alma too, sure. Specifically, I thought Dysodarg was just a horrible bastard, and I just loved to hate that character. I thought Zalbag was cool. The whole vampire transformation was really neat. And I, I just enjoyed the family dynamic. Those characters really made it for me. And like, those are straight up Shakespeare characters. Yeah. They're right, they're walking right out of the War of the Roses, those characters. Yeah, no, how, absolutely. I love how Ramza's family, like all, all the members of his family have such a different fate and not a good fate. You know, they're right. all, they all end up in different states of mind and perish in different ways. And, you know, Dystar kind of commits to evil. Zalbag tries to fight it, can't quite fight it off, you know, gets literally like absorbed by it i remember feeling such deep betrayal as a child when you find out that dysodar killed their father and i was like this yep. is horrifying terrible yep. coupled with the fact that they kind of considered ramza to be the outcast of the family and they basically shunned him yeah yeah for sure Though Zalbag was a little bit better about it but yeah still bad yeah yeah like that one of my favorite scenes is when you know ramza kind of meets Zalbag after you know he's been branded a heretic and, and whatnot and you know Zalbag doesn't like attack him or anything and and he's just kind of like disappointed in him and it's kind of an awkward scene so i mean that's the kind of stuff that you weren't really seeing in 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 games back then yeah, yeah, no, took a step forward. I, I always felt that Zalbag was the was like the good brother. To compare to Game of Thrones, I always felt like, you know, Ramza is definitely in a Jon Snow spot. Delita as well. Yeah. Yeah, Delita as well. They're kind of like in the same same thing. But Delita ends up it's funny, right? Because like the spoilers for the ending of Final Fantasy Tactics, yeah, it's fake news. Yeah. Delita is just the worst. I mean, he's ultimately terrible. he's the most disappointing character because he ends up being the story's villain. It's really sad. But he ends up being celebrated as the hero. And he's the king at the yeah. end. I mean, he, and, he, he gets it all. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's almost like they reported on events that kind of didn't happen. So it's, it's a very interesting take at the end. It's like, oh, well, we're going to crown Delita the king and we're going to make him the hero of this. But it was really Ramza and his crew that stop the Lukavi demons or yeah, it, goes, it goes back to what out. Jordan was saying earlier about how they frame the game right they, they frame it in such a way where you're you know you're rediscovering like this lost forgotten past and it's like yeah Delita was a hero for ending this war but oh by the way this other guy that none of you know about he prevented like the resurrection of the devil pretty much <laughs> like yeah, that's that's another yeah, left thanks. that's another that's another curveball too right because they tell you all these stories of saint ajora who's this christ-like character who in the end is really like the a, devil the devil himself yeah that's wild that's why this is allegedly like a, a game that children will be playing they straight up make saint ajora christ got 12 apostles the whole deal he's executed at, at galgrand execution site uh, i mean and then they flip the script on you and they're like the church is evil this guy was the devil. Everyone that followed him was evil. And I'm like, oh my God, this is dreadful. It's kind of what like the Christian Bible refers to as like the Antichrist. That's kind of and ultimately what they do with St. Ajora. Yeah, tactics makes the best use of the, the JRPG trope that the church is evil, yeah. you know, but they do it in like the best way. <laughs> Listen, man, chapter one, save my kitten. Chapter 99, fight God. Fight God. <laughs> That's how it um, works. In fairness, I, maybe I should have seen it coming because the first holy person you encounter in this game is a guy named Cardinal Draclaw, who is just like the most <laughs> obviously evil character of all time. They yep. didn't even they didn't even pull any punches. They just flat out no. named him yeah. <laughs> Father Dracula. Right, yeah. And you <laughs> like, walk in and his castle straight up like Castle Dracula. It's got like yeah. fucking candelabras and shit. Whoa. We've been talking about this for a long time and we talk, we've been gushing. This has been a gush fest. 
of how great Final Fantasy Tactics is. But Goo. this show is not about that totally. This show is more about how we handle Final Fantasy Tactics if we had control of the property. So I think it's time to start pitching some ideas. And I have some, I have some small ideas. So come to me later in the show. But Brendan, you're the guest of honor. All right. I got so, a couple. I, I got a couple. I'll try to rifle through them in a. You, and know, you get to you get to say the fra- you get to yeah. say the magic phrase. You have to say the thing. How about this? Ooh, he said it. <laughs> oh my god! One one of the most commonly discussed pitches is to just make a second game where you learn of Delita's side of the story, um, and you you know you just follow Delita as it you know, and then you, you play through his entire encounter uh, in the you know in the war. I, I think I think all three of us have kind of talked about that idea. So I just wanted to get that one out of the way. It's actually a good idea. Yeah. It would um, be cool to have a companion piece. I'd I, mean, I mean, you really could just use the same style, the same engine, you know, the same character graphics. I mean, everything is just kind of, you know, tell more of the story. Um, it would be, it would be really interesting. One of the, so, so how about this? One of the questions I used to ask, I, I remember asking you guys when Game of Thrones was on was, would you rather have a, an HBO Game of Thrones budget level television series of Final Fantasy Tactics or would you rather have a game with the Final Fantasy Tactics engine that told the story of Game of Thrones? Wow. Uh, can I get both? <laughs> I mean, that's what I want. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want more? I mean, you know, and oh, by the way, if you go with the TV route, the uh, what's the actor's name? Nikolai Costa Waldor. I can't, I can't yeah, Jamie, Jamie Lannister. Yeah, Jamie Lannister. That actor plays Wygriff. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'd be, he'd be perfect for that. That'd be awesome. And for yeah, Ramsey, you get like some... Some very young child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who would be like kind of like unclear if it was a boy or a girl? Because yes. I didn't. I certainly didn't know at first. Oh, and and Daniel Day Lewis will come out of retirement to play Gaff Garion. <laughs> oh my God! Could you imagine? <laughs> That's so good. Actually, so good. do you know do you know who I would want as Gaff Garion? I'd want I'd want the dude. I'd want Jeff Bridges. Yeah, Jeff Bridges. Yeah, there's a uh, like uh, no money in that man. Come on, man. There's no money in that, man. Oh, man. I love it. That's, that's great. <laughs> That'd be and great. Perfect for a series. You know, you, you have enough content there where you could probably do seasons upon seasons of it. Like each chapter could essentially be a season. I mean, the only other pitch I really have is, uh, how about this, would be a, a, full, um, f- a full television um, animated series of yeah. like the, uh, the cutscenes from oh, I would love that. War of the Lions and just, just do the whole story in that style. I think so- that would be rad. If I had it to pitch it, I think for for a game specifically, not for a series. Which, by the way, Brendan, I would I would fucking love a series of this. I would watch the shit out of that. I would actually love to do a video game that was basically released in installments and kind of putting it online. What the PSP really got right was the ability to make squads of your own and go challenge other people, but it wasn't tied to any of the lore, so it kind of felt a little frivolous. What I would love to do is to actually create a game that is the 50-year war to actually do the thing that leads up to the War of the Lions. That'd be awesome. And you play as uh, Balbanes or Barbaneth and play as kind of the Beale Dynasty and try to like play through the game that way. Or if you want to expand it even further, you can have people decide, are they going to fight on the side of Ivelisse, uh, of Ordalia? Are they going to be part of Larg's forces or Goltana's forces within Ivelisse? And you could almost like release the game in terms of decades 
and you will meet young TG Sid and you'll meet like uh, young Goltana and young Cardinal Draclaw and stuff like that. And I think that would be neat. Here is the problem though. There would be no supernatural element because there is no Zodiac intrigue at this time. The church is around, but they're not doing the cool stuff that only happens in the Zodiac Brave story. So that is the part that's unresolved for me because you would still want magical might and having all the crazy monsters and stuff. And you don't want to steal the thunder of the later game. So I would love to play a 50 years war game and kind of see how we got where we are. But I don't know how I would work in the monsters. I, I think that in that case, I think people are always just, they're just like, ah, there's monsters, it's Final Fantasy. <laughs> you know, like it's so, it's so weird because like you'll go and play like a pre Final Fantasy 7, like a Final Fantasy 7 prequel. And it's like, oh yeah, this shouldn't have been here at this point, but eh, it's there because it's the game and you got to fight monsters. <laughs> That's what right. you do. You know, I think you could suspend some disbelief to have a 50 years war have some magical stuff in it, especially since Ivalice does have such a deep and long history in the games that pre far predates the events of Final Fantasy Tactics. Like all that Zodiac stuff is happening in Final Fantasy 12 as well. So yeah. all that stuff's still there. All those monsters are still there. The espers that you summon in Final Fantasy 12 are essentially the Lukavi beasts. Like you summon uh, Bellius and... Right, and Quick like, Lane and all those. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like those are your espers in that game. So there is a deep history there. People have used them before. So maybe maybe that's something they could work in and just kind of be like, eh, well, they're here too. You know, shrug oh, it totally. off. Uh, I, there's definitely, I'm sure, some creative person could come up with something for why there would be monsters. So is that your, that's your pitch, Jordan? Yeah, I would, want, I would want a 50 years war game where you can make squads and fight people, but you could also play like a main military campaign i just i couldn't figure out the monster part of it yeah no i know i know it's tough because especially since it might not work from a storytelling perspective right but you know they they learn about that stuff they go to summon the monsters right so they they've learned about it at some point so maybe at some point during the 50-year war they start coming across these old teachings and maybe they have to do some stuff or fight some monsters and whatnot they could they can uh, maybe there's something you can work in there but i think it's a i think it's a great setting and i think it's a great world which is why my how about this um, my, or my pitch wants to use that a little bit. So how about this? First and foremost, as a sidebar, how about this? It's a crime. It's truly criminal that Final Fantasy Tactics, The War of the Lions has not been ported to Switch at this point. Yeah. It's so yeah. stupid. They could make, if they, just put it on Switch for 20 bucks. They have the mobile version. They have the PSP version. They ported it. You know, you could download the PSP version and play it on the Vita. Just port it to Switch charge people 20 bucks and people will buy it. This is a game that people need to experience and people need to play because more and more people these days are saying that it's the best game in the Final Fantasy series. So like that's kind of kind of where it's at right now and it's not it's not a it's not sacrilegious to say that anymore. Like for a while I was like, well, what's the best Final Fantasy game? Oh, well, I like 7 or I like 9 or I like 6, but Tactics is really good too, but now it's like no, Final Fantasy Tactics is the best one. I feel like they're gonna run out of Square's gonna run out of ports like to put on Switch, so they're gonna be like, yeah, well, I guess we'll put Tactics on there. They have they have said Square had come out about a year or so ago and said they want all of their old games available on PC and Switch. I can't think of a, a more perfect game in Square's library than Final Fantasy Tactics to have on the Switch. Like that console is built for these long grindy. JRPGs, these strategy RPGs. Totally. I mean, Fire Emblem is one of the best-selling games on Twitch right now. There's a fan base that wants this type of stuff. Mario plus Rabbids is a really big hit on the Switch. You've got, they even brought back Brigandine just for Switch. So I know, like, did you see that, Brendan? Did you see that they brought Brigandine back? Brigandine. No, wow. Yeah. 
All right, Th- then there's no excuse for them to not have tactics on Switch. I mean, yeah, tact- it's wild. Tact- Final Fantasy Tactics and Tactics Ogre both should be on Switch, but that's a sidebar. That's something that sh- that's probably really likely to happen at some point. Yeah. I think probably fairly soon, just because they're kind of working through uh, their old games to kind of put them on the Switch. But I have a- I have an idea here, and my my idea is kind of in two parts, and it expands beyond what we've talked about here, beyond a sequel, beyond a, a TV series, I would love an anime. I think a long-form anime would be amazing. I think that's a great, like, Netflix-style show with, like, Castlevania-level production value. I think that could be really cool for Final Fantasy Tactics, especially with all the political intrigue and with the, with the animation style. You can have all the monsters look really cool, and it won't look cheesy, and it'll look great. But how about this? I'm an RPG guy. I love RPGs in terms of video games. But I want to break away from video games right now because I think that Jordan really covered it nicely on how you could do that. I don't think you could make a sequel to Final Fantasy Tactics that continued the story. I think a prequel is a good idea. And then they did all that advanced stuff, which is weird. But I think Ivalice is a, it's a realm, a world, a plane that is super interesting. It has a lot of history. It's been around in this, this realm for a very, very, very long time. It's packed with NPCs. Why Square Enix, a game developer and a game producer, hasn't got together with a company like Wizards of the Coast is beyond me. Because I think that Final Fantasy Tactics or Ivalice would be an amazing, amazing campaign setting for a Dungeons and Dragons game. Oh, hell yeah. And the fact that you could use it and play it in different eras of the history. I just got to chill. Exactly. You could do a a classic Ivalice where it's Final Fantasy XII with all the airships and all that stuff. Or you could do something that's a more modern Ivalice where it's the Final Fantasy tactics stuff or maybe even the 50-year war. Maybe you have that whole realm that you can mess with. And then if you've ever seen a D&D module, you go into it. It's filled with characters. It's filled with monsters. You could you could bend the world to your storytelling will and you could do such great things with it. I think that these characters are gigantic and they belong in different forms other than just this one brilliant video game. With the right people working with an RPG tabletop company, I think they could really do something amazing, especially since Dungeons and Dragons was so influential to Dragon Quest, which was so influential to Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy was a essentially trying to be a ripoff of Dragon Quest. So in the end, everything owes itself back to D&D. I really think that a tabletop campaign setting module series of modules within Ivalice would be wonderful now Final Fantasy has a card game right now that I haven't played but they have a card game which you know it's kind of like a magic hybrid right so I don't know if they would venture further into that but that's something where I think if people went to Square Enix with or at least maybe tried to kickstart something I think there's you could probably write an Ivalice manual or an Ivalice campaign setting and probably work with them to get it done. It's kind of like how Resident Evil 2's remake happened because there was a team who was making their own remake and Resident Evil and Capcom liked it so much that they were like, yeah, we should probably work with them. So this happens in the game industry with big companies. Like Square Enix is no joke. They're one of the biggest Japanese developers out there. I think they would work with people to get this done because at this point, Final Fantasy has been around not that much longer than D&D has been around. The fact that there aren't monster manuals with Final Fantasy monsters in it, to me, as a gamer of all, of all different types, is always like, ah, you're kind of missing an opportunity here. So I, that's my main pitch. My main pitch is that. And then an, off, an offset pitch would be, 
Imagine a Final Fantasy Tactics like living expandable board game, right? Where you choose your little army and then there are expansions upon expansions that add other classes or add other battles or oh, something yeah. that you also can play good. against. You could do it like a Gloomhaven or something like that. Yeah, sure. something like that. But I think the real thing is, I think we... What, what, what's, what was that? Or even a card game. Yeah. No, no, they, that, that would be great. I would love a Final Fantasy card game, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics card game. I think some of those characters, though, because the Final Fantasy card game sort of like uses a lot of the, the city of Final Fantasy stuff, I think some of those Final Fantasy Tactics characters actually do show up in the Final Fantasy card game, like where you can play. I think that maybe some of the job classes might. I don't know. I haven't really played it much. Sure. Man, you know, if we have any listeners out there that are a little bit older and you were sitting down to play your first game of D&D back in 1974 when the manuals first hit and you're also a fan of Final Fantasy Tactics, uh, I would love to hear some of your thoughts about how we could make this marriage of like two great creative systems come together. What do you, what do you think about that? I would, I would love to hear that. Find us in the comments section and come, come fight us. Please. <laughs> yeah. After you like, and subscribe, be sure and leave a comment. Be sure to challenge us on our idea on whether or not you think it's feasible, but I really do think it is. I mean, how, how different are the classes? No, it would be, honestly, it'd be ideal. I think it directly translates. And I think I would play the shit out of a deep dungeon module in particular. Oh my God. Like, like that's a module in itself, right? Yeah. Like, that's Ivalice, like the, to that's the tomb of horrors for Ivalice is the exactly. deep dungeon. Ivalice could essentially be like Forgotten Realms. Right. It could be, it could be Faerun, right? It could be that. Why not do it? And I think that there are plenty of gamers that work at a company like Wizards of the Coast that would love to get their hands on a Final Fantasy license. I think that, I think it's, I think it would, I think it would be a home run. And you oh, can yes. do it with other, other Final Fantasy worlds too, but I think Tactics has the most depth. And you know what? Because Final Fantasy Tactics and Ivalice kind of exist at this planner crossroads, you can maybe even put some other characters from some of the other, of the other games, not as, as NPCs or something like that. I mean, you can already put Cloud in it, even if he's trash. <laughs> right. Brendan, my man, any final thoughts as to Final Fantasy Tactics, the future, your manhood, dignity, anything, Brendan? What do you got? Well, I have some bad pitches that I could give you. We'll take those too. Yeah, okay. I mean, any, any bad pitch is good. Okay, so how about this? Final Fantasy Tactics, it's exactly the same, but with noses. Uh, no, that destroys it. That ruins it. Yeah, well, you did say bad pitches, so I can't, I can't fault you, yeah. Okay, here's my other bad pitch. I don't think there's enough anime sword-wielding characters in Smash Bros. <laughs> for Smash. <laughs> oh man uh, that'd be great uh, actually i would love to just see more love for the fft characters across the board because it's they're actually like quite hard to find yeah like try getting your getting your hands on any final fantasy tactics collectibles I'm like just, it's impossible. I, i've been googling uh this whole time just google image searching final fantasy tactics you know the artwork fan art characters and there are actually a set of five figures from uh trading arts that came out i guess yeah. around War of the Lions came out. Yeah, they came out and they have a Balthier one. I've looked at that set many times. It's always Balthier, super expensive. Uh, Agrius and Princess Avelia, and it looks like, I guess that's Delita, but he Delita. has orange hair, like unusually orange hair. And it's super expensive. That's not good. Yeah, but yeah, it's like $220 plus $63, $63 in shipping for this. Ah, reasonable. Yes. Really expensive for you know, what look like kind of average action figures. <laughs> Well, that's the thing with Square Enix uh, toys. They, they cost a lot of money to buy and they appreciate in value because they do short print runs. Now that we spent far too much time talking about... It's a long episode. It's a very long episode. Now that we spent far too much time talking about a game that 10, 10 to 12 people have played. <laughs> um, 
uh, at least to the intensity that we have. Yeah, we have uh, six listeners, and one of them has played this game. Yeah, and they're really jazzed. They're, like, all about this episode. <laughs> they're sharing it with their friends. This is not... When you meet somebody that's played tactics, though, you're, like, you're instantly connected with that person. Yes. Like, the person gets it. And no one has played tactics and been like, ah, oh, yeah, that game sucked. Yeah, and if they, if they have said that, they are no longer a friend of mine. <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I don't think I can connect with someone on that level if they're like, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is a bad game. No, yeah, absolutely uh, I, not. I think, I think it's time to find new friends. One, I got one last thing. Oh, no. I, one last memory of playing Tactics. Back in the day, you know, I, I played the game. The first time I played it, I played it legitimately, and I beat it. And then the second time I played it, I was just like, I want to mess around. Uh, I had a Game Shark for, for PS1. I was like, I want to mess around. I want to see what else there is in the game. I'm going to cheat. I'm just going to go in and, you know, use Game Shark and, and whatnot and, and get through the game and look at secrets and go to all the pubs and talk to people and that kind of stuff. I go into Game Shark and I start looking up Game Shark codes and I find the most interesting Game Shark code that you can put into Final Fantasy Tactics. And all it does is it lets you control everyone. So every <laughs> oh, you can control all of the enemies. And that includes being able to look at their equipment and all of their abilities. That's actually really cool. Awesome. It's awesome. And so you can go in and like you can play as a, you know, even the monsters. So you can see what, what monster each monster ability is before you actually have them on your team. If you can. Wow. That's, that's really, really cool. cool. Great, great um, thing. And of course, you can make the enemies just like kill each other and stuff. Like you can do it. Wow. Anything. You saw backstage, man. Yeah. 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 That's you, like one of the that's one of the really valuable aspects of something like Game Shark. Not just like cheating so that you can win, but like understanding how the game works, you know? Yeah. It's really important. It's the ultimate cheat code for that game. It's so, so cool. cool. So interesting. I mean, love I'll, that. Removes any and all challenge. There's no game <laughs> anymore, but in terms of just looking behind the scenes, it's that's it's really cool. Awesome. Jordan, do you have any final thoughts on Final Fantasy Tactics? Only that even discussing the game kind of makes me want to play it again. Yeah, I, yeah. I wish I had more save files of that game and I wouldn't have to like play it all over again. But you know what? Uh, at, at this current time that we're recording this, yeah, there's there's no easy way for me to play this game unless I go dig out my old PSP. Pretty frustrating because it's a great game. It deserves its place with all the others. It should be on the Switch right now. It should be. And I could go wheel over to my, my bookshelf over there and grab it and play it on the PlayStation 1. I prefer the PSP version at this point. Yeah, it's like talking about it. Every time I talk about this game at length with anyone who's interested in it like we are, it always makes me want to play it again. Like, it always makes me want to play it. And I always have that immediate sense of like, oh, but I have, to play, I have to play the PS1 version. <laughs> I'm, due for, I'm due for a playthrough, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of like, like how I wanted to play Final Fantasy VII again after playing Final Fantasy VII Remake. But the love for Final Fantasy Tactics is, is more intense. Um, that game, when I played it, you know, I got it in the summer of, I want to say, 2002 or 2003 had gotten it. So either between sophomore and my sophomore and junior year of high school and my junior year and senior year of high school, I got it towards the end of the summer when it got put on the greatest hits list. And I played it for the rest of the summer and for the year. Like I played Final Fantasy Tactics for a year straight because it was so good and so important. And I spent so much time just grinding characters in random battles. So it's such a special experience here. And I think we all did that. I think most most people who play it have done things like that, just spent hours yeah, upon hours in it. It's really special. It's a really mm -hmm. beautiful game. So everyone, thank you so much for listening to this rather long episode about a very special game that is near and dear to our hearts here at How About This. We have to thank 
Brendan Bailey for guest spotting on this episode, for being a lovely guest, giving us great insight on why he loves this game. So, Brendan, thank you so much, my man. Thank you for having me, guys. This, uh, this is one game I can gush about for we, – we could probably go another few hours if you really wanted to. I mean, let's be we, honest. We could catch, probably... us on, catch us on overtime. <laughs> How about we could... this? Overtime. <laughs> we could probably do a battle-by-battle podcast <laughs> mandalia plains <laughs> called the war of alliance the daughter, the daughter trade city special <laughs> <laughs> that battle's tough and um, that's for the next episode you're right you're right that's for episode three and uh as always my co-host jordan hugh the best thank you so much my man and thank you to you sir all right everyone thanks so much for listening for brendan bailey and jordan hugh i'm mike staub thank you so much for listening to how about this and we'll catch you next time And that's the show. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode about Final Fantasy Tactics. Brendan, thank you so much for being on this show. We had a blast having you on. Jordan and I always have a blast doing this show with the lovely guests that we are so fortunate to have on the show from time to time. And this episode was like a love letter to our childhood or, well, our adolescence as we played this game mostly as teens. We hope you enjoyed the show, and if you did please feel free to go on to iTunes or the podcatcher of your choosing. Give us a review. Give us a subscribe. Write something every time you do something like that. It makes the podcast that much more visible so that people, when they're surfing around their podcast app, they can find our show. And the more people that listen to our show, the better it is for everyone else because that just means more ideas are going to be coming in, more suggestions are going to be coming in, and we're going to be able to make the shows that you all want to listen to. And we hope you had a lot of fun with this week's episode. We understand that it is a bit of a niche property, but we love it so much that we couldn't do a show like this without talking about Final Fantasy Tactics. Now, please go find us out there on social media. We have an Instagram. You can find us at how about this pod but you can also find us on facebook now at facebook.com slash how about this pod where we'll we will be sharing pictures and stuff like that and talking about upcoming episodes we're really excited for the summer of slam that's coming later this year for the summer and we have some great guests lined up for that as well so please continue to listen continue to share it with your friends find us on social media argue with us on social media and we love hearing from you every single week. So once again, thank you so much. I've been Mike Staub for Brendan Bailey and Jordan Hugh. Thank you for listening to How About This.